Good to see all of you. Glad you're here. Glad you're here, Lou. We begin the new year by beginning a new series of lessons. We're going to be walking through the Gospel of Mark. If you want to grab your Bible, turn to the book of Mark. And uh, we're going to be in chapter 1 this morning. We're calling this series Step in Step with Jesus. Because that's the goal. He has left us a pattern, an example that we should follow in his steps, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. But to follow in his steps, we have to identify his steps. And so that's what this study through the Gospel of Mark will do. Also, part of the goal of a study like this is intended to equip us for works of service, to equip us to tell the wondrous story, as we sang just a moment ago. And I know there are a lot of different ways of sharing the gospel with someone. My personal uh, choice for sharing the gospel with someone is to take them through a gospel, and since Mark is the shortest, it's a good place to start. Mark is also action-based. Immediately, 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 immediately. That's just one of his favorite words. Jesus is going here, going there, doing this, doing that. And it's a very rapid pace that leads inexorably to, of course, the cross, but also the empty tomb. And so if you want to introduce someone to the Jesus story, Mark is a good place to start. Not the only place to start. I know Buddy, his uh, personal preference is Matthew, other John. Uh, I've written a commentary on the Gospel of Luke, which is available online uh, on my blog. So... Uh, a number of different ways of introducing people to Jesus. And that's really what it's about. At the heart of the gospel is the Son of God sent by the Father into the world to live the life that none of us could live, a sinless, flawless, perfect life, culminating in his death on the cross for our sins and for us. So with that, Mark chapter 1, let's read the text for this morning. It's actually the end of chapter 1 of Mark's Gospel, verses 40 through 45. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Hear now the word of the true and living God. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it. To spread the news that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let us pray. Lord God, we would see Jesus and see him clearly. We pray as we focus on this narrative, this account from the life. inform the steps we take as his followers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
believe everyone here wants a deeper relationship with God. I don't think you would be here if you didn't want a deeper relationship with God. In fact, stay seated if you want a deeper relationship with God, right? Thank you very much for your vote. All right. Um, but how do we do that, right? How do we deepen our relationship with God? Well, one way that we deepen relationship with God is by following Jesus, by walking step in step with Jesus. And as we follow more closely with Jesus, we deepen our relationship with our Father. Now, the purpose of this series of lessons is to move into a deeper relationship with our God by identifying and seeking to match the steps our Lord took during his life, his ministry, even his death. Mark's gospel teaches us how to get through life successfully. There are a number of ways in which the world identifies success. Money, power. But the way that Jesus identifies success, the way God identifies success in this life, is walking step in step with Jesus. Jesus walked through the minefield of life, and he got through it perfectly. The Lord helping us, we can follow in his footsteps. We can follow the path that he has blazed, the trail that he has blazed. But here's the thing, every step through the minefield of life is a step of faith, a giant step of faith. There are no baby steps in a minefield. By faith, we walk where someone else has walked. Understanding, maybe even perhaps confident, that when we step in that step, there will be no mine that's going to blow up and get us, right? That's what Jesus did. And he took a number of steps. In fact, every section, you know how your Bible is divided up, not only into chapters, but usually there's headings above certain paragraphs. Every one of these sections, every verse in Mark could be identified as a step our Lord took. He took many steps. Some of them were giant steps. Right here at the beginning of Mark's gospel, perhaps the, the biggest step our Lord took is he stepped from heaven to earth, took on flesh, and dwelt among us as a human. Another giant step is seen here in Mark chapter 1 where Jesus chooses his disciples. He selects the twelve who would be with him during his ministry. Another giant step. He had to leave Nazareth. He had to leave his hometown and go out to be among the people. Kind of an Abrahamic step of sorts where he has to leave his home and even leave his family to go out. What we'll see one step we'll see this morning is, we'll call it stepping out of convention. There's the convention. There's the normal way things are done in Jesus' day. And Jesus steps away from that. He steps away from the conventional way things are done. That will cause him to come into conflict, conflict with the religious elites of his day. And I guess one step that we can see Jesus taking is when he goes heads up with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. 
because of that step out of convention. Sometimes the steps Jesus takes are, well, they're very narrow. They may even be somewhat non-existent. Hard to see the steps that he takes. And yet that is the narrow path that he walks, that he invites us to follow after. And we know there are only two paths. There's the broad path that leads to destruction. Many people find that path. The whole world goes after that path. And then there's the very narrow trail that Christ has blazed. And that's the, the path that he invites. And again, there's no third way. No, you know, kind of medium pathway where you can kind of be in the world and kind of follow Jesus. Right? There's, there's no middle path. There's the broad way and almost like cattle. There are many who go down that very broad path. That broad path leads to destruction. And then there's the narrow path. Only two paths in this world. Our world, again, they prefer that broad path. It gets expressed in a number of different ways. Maybe it gets expressed through divorce. You know, if you don't like the one you're with, just get rid of her or him. It may get expressed in mottos like it's, it tastes great and it's less filling. It's smooth going down. Maybe it gets expressed in the pursuit for money. I think many people get it confused that they think if I just have enough, that will put me in a place where I'm comfortable, maybe even where I'm happy. I think a big one these days via social media is popularity. You want people to like you. You want followers. You want likes. Popularity. Jesus does not march down these broad paths. He avoids them. In fact, gives instruction concerning them. Take, for example, the path of popularity. Here's Jesus, and he's, even at the end of Mark chapter 1, we still have 15 more chapters. And yet at the end of this chapter, it's hard for him to go in and out of cities. In fact, he's got to go out to the desolate places. People are actually blazing trails out that way to try and find Jesus out in the desert, out in the desolate places, the wilderness. Jesus walks a narrow path. And then he turns around and he demands that we walk that narrow path with him. That we identify the narrow gate in the straight way and that we follow after him. Why? Well, it's because that's the path he walked. And it is a path which leads to life and to godliness. And, and the other broad path, the other broad paths, those lead to destruction. Thanks to the gospel writers like Mark, like Matthew, Luke, John, the steps that Jesus took, they will never fade away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus' word will remain. And so these are steps that never fade, and we are able to identify them, and we are able even to step with Jesus. We can still follow his steps. And because he's blazed the trail, his path still corrects us. The steps he took correct our path. And when we make a false step, ah, we missed it. Jesus does blaze a trail. Let me just ask at this point, how clear are our faith footprints, shall we call them? The footprints that we are leaving in the sands of time behind us. How clear are our faith footprints? Are we merely carving a rut of complacency? Carving and trenching a trail of 
compromise or maybe traditionalism, quasi-religion. The goal is we ought to be attempting to trench the trail deeper, dig the trail deeper for Christ. Trenching that trail so that others who come behind us will be able to identify and walk with the communion of the saints. We don't have this very much anymore, I don't think. You go back east, and you'll find church buildings, and outside the church building, there's typically a graveyard. That's where they bury the saints who have died. And some of those graveyards, those grave markers, date way back. And the idea was that in order to walk in and assemble with the saints today, you had to walk past the saints of yesteryear. We don't have that these days, right? And the cemeteries are away, sometimes far out of town. I like being reminded of death, especially, but I think we're, we're worse off for it. Not only because do we need the reminder that this life is brief, it's but a vapor, passes for a while, but because, again, the graveyards outside the church are a reminder that we are part of the communion of the saints. We are part of the fellowship of the saints, and this fellowship is rich, not only in the here and the now, but it reaches back to those who have blazed the, or have trenched the trail deeper that have gone on before us. See, that's what we're doing. We ought to be doing with our faith footprints. How do you define a leader? One of the major ways that uh, leadership is defined today is leadership is influence, right? Leadership is influence. That's okay. But in another sense, a leader is one who steps away from the group, who takes a step away from the pack. A leader is one who takes that step out of convention. That group of Jesus' day, they had trenched the trails of traditionalism and complacency. They had trenched the trails of quasi-religion quite deeply. So deep that, in fact, they were tying burdens on other people that they themselves wouldn't lift. Jesus will call them on the carpet for this during his ministry. Jesus takes a step away from that. Takes a step away from the quasi-religion of his day. Away from the compromise and the traditionalism of his day. And in order to do that, one of the ways Jesus takes a step away from the group and steps out of convention is right here in Mark 1, verses 40 to 45. He touches the leper. And in touching a leper, not only is he stepping away from the group, he's showing something to us about God. He is showing us that God touches lepers. As we walk through this text here, a leper came up to him. Notice in verse 40. Begging, imploring, kneeling, falling down at Jesus' feet. If you will, you can make me clean. The leper understands, I, I can't get rid of this myself. Nothing I can do. How far advanced was the leprosy? You know, leprosy does an awful work on people. Start losing appendages, losing extremities, ears, nose, fingers. It deadens the nerves, and in fact, uh, there are accounts that in leper colonies, you, a person can get to the point with their leprosy that a rat, because typically leper colonies aren't, the, aren't known for their cleanliness, but a rat can come in and gnaw off a piece of the body without the person realizing it because of what leprosy's done. 
How far advanced was this leper? And here he is, falling down before Jesus. He's unsure, it would seem, if Jesus will be able to do anything. Why is he unsure? Because he knows the law. He knows Leviticus chapters 13 and 14. He knows what the law says about the leper who has to walk around with their face covered yelling, unclean, unclean. And yet he comes up and he's not yelling unclean. He's saying, make me clean, if you will. You can do it, if you will. We notice that Jesus, verse 41, is moved with pity. Your translation may say he's filled with compassion. That's good too. Sympathy. But more than that, pity, compassion, is sympathy in action. Not just that he feels something, but he's moved to do something about it. He looks upon this man, this leper, and he knows what this man has lost as a result of this disease. He's lost his family. He's lost his friends. He can't be in social circles anymore. He's a man apart because of his leprosy. He's lost fellowship, not only with family, friends, his community. A leper cannot go up to the temple. So he's even lost fellowship with God. He can't make the sacrifice. He can't approach the temple. What had happened is, by this time, leprosy was seen as an evil thing, a wicked thing. And so that's usually associated with the person. Seems to be how he is seen. Unclean, unclean, after all. His spiritual life has dried up. His social life, non-existent. It's because of this disease. And Jesus feels that. Because after all, he's the one in back of the law and he's come to fulfill the law. He knows it. He is the word of God in flesh. And so he feels and he is moved to do something. You see, after Jesus extends his heart, that's the filled with compassion part, he extends his hand, and he stretched out his hand and touched him. He touched a leper. Now again, the rule of the day, because the law, Leviticus 13 and 14, was you don't touch lepers. You do not touch the leper. In fact, not only was he looked upon as less than, he was looked upon as a dead man. You don't touch dead things. Don't touch lepers. This is a step out of convention. The conventional wisdom of the day, based on the law, you don't touch lepers. And Jesus steps away from that. This is not business as usual. In fact, so holy is Jesus that it isn't that the uncleanness is transferred to Jesus. So holy is Jesus that his holiness is transferred to the man. That's how the man is made clean, by the way. But I wonder, first of all, how long has it been? We don't know how long this man has had leprosy. How long has it been, though, since he's had human touch? Since anyone has reached out? Because usually when the leper came by, you draw back. You don't touch. How long has it been? And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. But then I also wonder what the crowd did. We don't, we don't have the crowd's reaction, but I can't help but think it was, <gasps> gasp, shock, awe. 
to see someone touch a leper. And in the touch, Jesus is communicating something profound. And it is, I fellowship you. That's touch. This isn't glad-handing. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you, right? This isn't Jesus working a crowd. Hey, how you doing? Good, good, good. This is genuine. This is real. It's authentic. Jesus extended his hand. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. And after extending his heart and his hand, Jesus extends healing. I will be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him. Immediately. Again, how much leprosy the man had, we don't know. Assuming he was fully eaten up, white as snow. I mean, just immediately. All that gone. Whatever appendages were lost, restored. The man is made whole. As the leprosy is taken away. Not a partial where uh, healing where Jesus just you know, clears out the leprosy, but the man still has to go around and he's missing stuff. Jesus never does a miracle halfway. He restores the man fully. And then he tells him, uh, go and show yourself to the priest. Because while he's been given the physical healing, now the man starts getting stuff back. Not just in his body. He's going to get his family, his friends. He's going to get everything he's lost. He's going to get fellowship back with God. He's going to get that again. And so go show yourself to the priest because this is spiritual healing. Submission to the law of God. This is what you did when you were declared clean of leprosy. You had to go to the temple, show yourself to the priest, and sacrifices would be offered. This is obedience to the law. And so presentation of himself as clean. I wonder what the priest's reaction would have been, right? Especially if they knew this guy. What? No, we, you've been declared unclean for years. How? And then the response, of course, would have been, well, this guy, he goes around telling everybody, right? Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth did this. Jesus extends healing. And it's the physical healing. It's the spiritual healing. There's the social healing. Everything that the man has lost is reversed. He's going to go back to his family, go back to his friends, back to fellowship with God. He is revived. The dead man is made alive. Because of Jesus. I look at this account. We sit before it. We see the step that Jesus takes here. What are our steps? As we seek to follow in Jesus' steps, what are our steps here? Well, I believe as Jesus extended his heart, his hand, and healing in a similar way, we can extend our hearts and our hands and, to some degree, healing. In the first place, we extend our hearts, and, and we have to ask the question then, well, who are, the, who are the lepers of our day? The spiritual lepers, perhaps? Who are the lepers of our day? You know, whether we like to admit it or not, COVID carries a stigma, doesn't it? Oh, no, they're just... You hear someone has contracted the coronavirus and 
Oh, no. Mm. Right? Very solemn thing. I wonder. I wonder. I also think about... um, You know, we don't hear it much in the news anymore, but it's still there. Uh, Terrorists. It was a few years ago when I taught a lesson about uh, the imprecatory psalms and praying for terrorists. Boko Haram hadn't gone away. They're still doing their work quietly, it would seem, just because of the media. They're still doing their work in places in Africa, I think we, every week, have an opportunity to encounter lepers in our community. The, the homeless community in and around Stanislaus County. These benevolent cases. Because how, how has it usually been that we treat the homeless, the poor? It is a leprosy in and of itself. Those who are emarginated in society. Again, I'm maybe just in part thinking out loud, but perhaps just maybe. This is the leprosy of our day. We may not be able to cure the leprosy as such, but it certainly begins with compassion. Jesus was filled with compassion, moved with pity. What's our reaction? Is it to keep folks at arm's length? To, to stay back, to, to maintain our bubble? Or are we genuinely moved with sympathy that seeks to issue forth in action? Because again, that's what the compassion, the pity is. If there's going to be a change of pace, if we are going to step out of convention, it must start with the extension of our hearts. Filled with compassion. Moved with pity. And then, again, in a similar way to Jesus, we extend our hands. We, as Jesus did, he communicated fellowship. We communicate fellowship. Even to the untouchables, the undesirables of our time and our day. How do you view church, worship, assembly? Is this just a place where you come to punch a ticket, as it were. I showed up. I did my thing. I sat in my pew. I sang the songs. If that is your view uh, of assembly, of even your Christian walk, my brother, my sister, and I say this with all sincerity, you are trenching the trail of traditionalism and complacency, just as the religious leaders of Jesus' day did. The word of God is designed in such a way that it's supposed to change us. We're to be changed having encountered the word of God. And if there's going to be a change in convention where this is merely where we show up and punch the ticket, punch the clock, we did our time, we filled our pew, I sang the songs, I listened to the sermon. If we're going to take us away from that then we must allow the word of God to change us. We must sit before the word of God 
and allow it to move our hearts so that we move our hands. Again, the underlying principle, when we begin to extend our hands, how does it show up? Maybe it is the hand on the shoulder. Maybe it's the hug. But the underlying principle is, I fellowship you. And that there is a fellowship that is sweeter than anything else you will find out in the world. Again, nobody in Jesus' day would have extended a hand to a leper. And yet Jesus did. And he did extend his hand to the leper. And then we extend healing. And again, it's not the exact same, a one-to-one equivalent. It may not necessarily be physical, but it certainly is spiritual. The law taught, even Jesus taught, we'll always have the poor among you. We live in a fallen world. Disease, sickness, always going to be with us. Death, always going to be with us. Till glory. These things will still be here. But we preach a gospel, an account, a story of good news that God came near and he can heal us right down to our soul. People need to know that there is spiritual healing through the one who touches lepers. The one who touches lepers is the one who will lay down on the cross at the end of the story. Spoiler alert, right? But also, because of the spiritual healing that our Lord provides, there's also social healing where we get to be part of a community, church, that experiences fellowship, not just with God, but fellowship with one another. And so in this way, yes, we get new friends. We get new family, the family of God. We get fellowship with God. No longer are we social outcasts. We are accepted in the body and accepted in the Son. And this is how we can extend our our hearts, our hands, and healing. And so when, when we follow our Lord in the extension of our heart, hands, healing, we are wrapping arms, maybe perhaps even unseen. We are extending and wrapping arms around the lepers of our day. We are not only doing that, we are learning, we are experiencing the compassion of our Lord. See, experiencing God, it it certainly happens as we read the Word. Experiencing God certainly happens when we pray and communicate to our God. Experiencing God certainly happens in assembly. Obedience to the commandments of God. You can experience God in all those ways, but it is more than that. As the word of God shapes us and changes us, we experience God when we show the kind of love our Lord did. And even show the kind of love that our Lord has shown us. And so, we desire that deeper relationship with God. We need to go and touch a leper. Again, not necessarily the one-to-one equivalent of go to a leper colony. More power to you. Christians have done that throughout history. We do need to think seriously, soberly, about the lepers of our day. Who are they? And how can we move with compassion 
extend our hands and healing to them. Let us pray. Lord God, we need your spirit to enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we can properly and clearly identify those who are the untouchables of our day. We need Holy Spirit wisdom to identify them and also then, Lord, to discern how we might follow in the steps of Christ and extending our hearts, our hands, and our healing to them. Indeed, your healing. Lord God, through your word, move us. Through your word, stimulate us to action. And indeed, Father, through your spirit, enable us to walk in the steps of the Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.